Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. If the holidays make you nervous, anxious, or stressed because of any kind of family dynamic, then today's episode is specifically for you. We're going to talk through some of the ways you can avoid having drama, stressing yourself out about people-pleasing, and instead hold really good, healthy holiday boundaries to make 2023 your most CODA-free holiday season ever. I also have a download for you if you feel like you could use a little help with some examples of healthy holiday boundaries. Go to my profile on Instagram at Corinne Stoko and DM me the word holidays and I'll send you my list of healthy holiday boundary examples that you can keep in your back pocket and brush up on before all your family and holiday gatherings or as those conversations pop up in your family group texts or when you see your in-laws phone calls come through. Also, if you find today's episode helpful for you, make sure you're following me at Corinne Stoko on Instagram because we're going to be doing a live Instagram series every day next week, November 13th through the 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific time, where we're going to talk all about having CODA-free holidays this year in way more depth. We'll be answering more questions that people submit and giving lots of tips and tricks on this topic. All right, Neil, it's time to tell everybody about the worst fight we've ever had. I don't know which one. Oh, come on. Yes, you do. Oh, the Christmas one? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Worst fight we've ever had was, and we've been through some gnarly stuff, and people know about our stuff more than, I would say, the average couple, because we've talked all about addiction recovery and loss of a sibling, like really, really hard, challenging things that have put our marriage through just challenging times. But I will say that of all those rocky times and things that we've been through, I can't think of a fight that we've had where I was more upset than our first Christmas Eve together. Let's just set the stage. So Neil, tell me about Christmas Eve in your family. Christmas Eve in my family. Well, we, it's like a big deal. It's like my family's not super close. I mean, I see my parents and see my siblings every now and again, but Christmas time was like the one time where everybody got together. So it was two. Well, not just Christmas time. Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is like the one big holiday that was like the huge deal in my family. So my cousins, my family, we'd all get together. There's like a program. There's a whole deal. So that was kind of the biggest thing for my family. And that was always a big deal. Everything else, I was kind of like, hey, whatever, if we want to go to your family, Corinne, and like hang out with them for Thanksgiving or whatever, like totally all for it. But the only one that's a big deal to me is Christmas Eve. Totally want to just be there with my family. So I agree to that because there's other important holidays for me and my family and I was trying to compromise. And so the agreement was our first year while we were living in Utah. So everybody's family was easily accessible. The agreement was that we would go to Neil's family for Christmas Eve. So we went into that. And for me, I had told Neil, okay, yeah, we'll go to this for the night, like for most of the night. But if there's a chance, if there's a possibility of us leaving a little earlier, if the night's winding down, I'd love to go catch the end of what my family does. Because my family also has a Christmas Eve tradition. My whole life, we've done the same thing. We have a big Asian dinner because my grandma is Japanese. We call her grandma Japanese. So most of my memories as a child of Christmas, my grandma came pretty much every Christmas. We would make a big Asian dinner where we had lots of traditional Japanese dishes like okazu, where it's this like really yummy 
cabbage vegetable dish. And then we would have fried rice, like homemade fried rice. And then we would either make sushi most years or sometimes order sushi or a combination of both. But we would just have this huge spread of really yummy Asian food and then open one present, which was usually Christmas jammies, and then watch a Christmas movie together. It was pretty chill and it was kind of centered around food, which is very my family. I told Neil, hey, if if there's a way we could just go catch the tail end of that, that'd be awesome. And he kind of was just like, okay, I don't know. Do you even remember back then if you were thinking like, yeah, there's no way we're doing that or? I don't remember what the initial thinking was. I think there, yeah. The way that you typically don't think too much ahead, I would guess that in the moment you were probably like, yeah, sure, that sounds reasonable, but you probably weren't thinking too much logistically about how exactly that would work, right? No, probably not. So we go into Christmas Eve. We walk into, I can't remember if it was at your parents' house or Neil grew up right around the corner from an aunt and uncle. Okay, that first year at your parents' house. So imagine his parents, his aunts, his uncles, all of their kids. So a huge group of people. And you walk in, there was a big buffet of food. And it just was different food than the food that I was used to growing up. That was, It wasn't as good. You can say it. I'm just saying it was different than what I grew up with. You know, a lot of Costco dishes. And, and that's there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that when your heart is just tied to traditions and things that make Christmas Christmas... It can be hard at first. That was the lineup. We got our food. They actually ran out of food that year. <laughs> so then we sat down and had what is like makes Christmas for Neil, which is, do you want to explain that part? The Like it's as a kids, we hated it. <laughs> it was like the worst thing ever. My parents, my dad was a drama teacher at a local high school. We're very into like theatrics and things. I, I, us kids weren't, but my parents kind of were. So they had this Christmas pageant where we basically like act out the nativity. So you read and then they would have songs looped into it. It's like this, this kind of production and everyone dresses up. My mom kind of like awkwardly gets people to dress up. And, but I think as we got older, it was kind of endearing. And that was the thing that everyone loved, ironically. It's kind of like full circle. That's, uh, yeah, that's the tradition. Yeah. So everyone has to dress up. Everyone has to have a part. They pass out the parts. They sing the songs. And it's this whole huge production at the time, at least, you know, with all the three or four, fa- three families. Yeah. So I'm, I'm talking like three sets of grandparents and all their adult children and all the grandchildren. So huge group of people, huge production. So we do the whole production and then we're kind of cleaning up the kitchen and whatever. And then everybody starts chatting about the good old days. And that chat goes on and on and on for hours. So we're a couple hours into the after chat and I'm thinking, I'm sure Neil realizes how big of a deal this is to me to go just get like the very end of my family's Christmas Eve. And I'm sure he's going to like tune into that at some point. And Neil's thinking, because his parents were about to leave on a church mission, he's thinking, well, I'm sure Corinne realizes how big of a deal this is to me because this is the last Christmas my parents will be here for a while. And so I'm sure she gets it that this reminiscing all of the good old days is so important to me and I wouldn't want to miss out on this. And I'm sure she gets that. So both of us have these hidden expectations. As the night goes on, I'm more upset. And he's like, why are you so anxious? Anyway, when we finally leave and we get home to our house, we had the biggest fight we've ever had. It was explosive. And there just were a lot of deep feelings. And I think this is so common with lots of people and their families and their traditions, because everybody's family, like that's all you know. So that is what makes your traditions make those holidays real for you. So both of us had very different expectations as to how that would have gone. And and the hidden expectations were the real killer, right? That was where I hoped Neil would read my mind and he was hoping I would read his. And so what we learned from that is to set an absolute hard and fast rule that there are no hidden expectations during holidays. Like we decide if we have to hash it out, we hash it out and we make a decision and then we stick to it no matter what. 
There's no hoping that the other person will change their mind or be intuitive and change what we agreed upon. And that has served us really well, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think so, for sure. But I think that where I've seen things get challenging and where, gosh, we had a flood of anonymous feedback and comments from people about how the holidays are challenging for them. When I asked about this today on Instagram, it's very telling to me that this is a common theme where a lot of people struggle during the holidays with lots of different expectations from different family members and things change and evolve and families grow and those dynamics change as well. And then trying to go with the flow of kids being older or moving out or parents being in different situations and trying to please everyone. So what we're going to talk about today is how to get through the holidays CODA-free instead of being a codependent. I think we need to start out with really talking about what does codependency look like during the holidays? What would you say, Neil, after having worked with lots of other addicts in recovery because that can be a, a really triggering time, right? For a lot of people, the holidays, ironically, can be extra yeah. difficult for addicts. So what for would sure. you say is triggering or why does that make it tough for addicts and and how does that play into codependency? I think it's tough for addicts because you're getting around first family. A lot of times, some of those addictive behaviors are born in childhood and growing up in a family where you're maybe you have certain dynamics that are affecting you in a negative way, or maybe there was just outright bad things that went down between family members or fighting, or there's somebody you don't get along with, or someone that belittles you, or someone that a parent that you have an estranged relationship with. I mean, all kinds of stuff. That in and of itself. And then I think just the expectations of like, man, Christmas, there can be so much there as far as it should be this. It should be great. Mm -hmm. It should be amazing. I should feel so awesome. This should be the happiest time of the year. So much pressure. And if you don't feel that, then it's like, well, there's something wrong. And mm -hmm. I'm like, man, this is supposed to be awesome. And this is going horrible. Or we got in this fight and it just will double down on the negative if it doesn't happen to meet what we're thinking it should. I think for addicts, that can be all of the triggery situations are there. Like It can be like a cocktail of, of various triggers as far as hitting those underlying causes and conditions of why you have an addiction in the first place, like fears, resentments, not feeling like you're good enough, or self-pity, like, man, this should be this and it's not, and I'm, I'm so sad about my situation. All that stuff, it can hit everything all at once. Well, I want to talk about two things that you brought up. First of all, when you said that when people get around their families, they often go back to roles that they grew up with. My therapist told me that and it was so eye-opening to me. She said, Corinne, anytime you're around your family of origin, you're going to go back to the role that you played as a child. And I was like, man, that is so eye-opening to me. I didn't notice it until she said that to me, but it's so true. Whatever role you played as a child growing up in your house or your family of origin, most likely when you get around those people, you'll revert back to that role without even thinking about it, without meaning to. So that makes sense to me what you said about that can be a trigger because of if that's where your addiction started, then probably a lot of those things are subconsciously going to come back up. So you have to have new ways of dealing with them if you're not just going to revert back to old ways. The other thing though that I want to point out that I think so many people aren't even aware of because they a lot of people tend to think of an addict and a codependent as a relationship where one person is 100% the addict, the other person is totally the codependent. The actually addicts are typically very codependent. And, and here's how that looks is when an addict is in any kind of an uncomfortable situation, they typically use their drug of choice to numb out reality or deal with the fact that other people aren't responding to them in the way that they that makes them feel comfortable, right? So that's your drug of choice. And then for a true codependence drug of choice, when there's other chaos or people around them that they can't control, 
then the tendency is to want to try to control other people, other situations, try to make it better for everybody else, try to get the waters to be calm so that they can feel calm. The way in which an addict versus a codependent deals with their codependency is different, right? Like maybe an addict feels like they have to drink after a family gathering where the codependent feels like they have to like manage everybody else's emotions in order to feel like they're a good person. But either way, both people aren't just taking care of themselves. They're involving their happiness or peace in what uh, what everyone else is doing around them. Would you say that's accurate? I think so. Yeah. I mean, that would for sure be the type of thing that I fell into. It was kind of like a, just to deal with the situations and, and everything for me in the addiction side comes down to external validation. Mm-hmm. That's where the codependency can come in. And it's like, okay, well, as long as I can get that validation, I'm reliant on others in order to get it. And then if I don't, then I've got to turn to something. And that becomes the validation. Yeah, it, it plays into that whole scenario. So here's a few other ways you might be experiencing codependency in holidays and families. Since that's coming up, since we're upon that time of year, you might be dealing with codependency if you feel responsible for everyone else's happiness but your own. So you've got maybe your mom and your mother-in-law and your siblings and your aunt or whatever and your grandma and you're trying to just please everyone else. And you're ignoring your own feelings in the meantime. If if that's happening where you feel responsible for everyone else's happiness except your own, then that's where this hopefully will help you a lot because that doesn't need to, you don't need to be responsible for everyone else's happiness. You can just be responsible for your own. And I'm not saying be a selfish jerk, but I'm saying that other adults are perfectly capable of figuring out their own stuff. and. You can just worry about yourself. You actually can. If you need permission from someone, I give you permission to worry about yourself and not everybody else's situations and their happiness and pleasing everyone. Because let me tell you, that is a losing game. You will never be able to please everybody. I think that's why so many people feel miserable during the holidays is because they set this expectation upon themselves to make everyone else happy. And it's just a losing game. It's impossible to make everyone perfectly happy because different people are going to want different things. Neil's family is going to want to do the Christmas nativity and my family is going to want to do the big sushi dinner. You cannot actually be in two places at once. The other way that I think a lot of people end up in codependent roles with families and holidays is playing the victim and feeling like the victim of, well, I have to do this. Well, my mom expects me to do that. Well, my mother-in-law always does this. So we have to, if you're catching yourself saying, I have to, but it's not something you want to do, then you're probably playing a codependent role, like victim or maybe rescuer, where you're just trying to get other people to feel okay and feel happy at your own expense. I'm not talking about doing something that maybe isn't your first choice, but you're doing it because you love your spouse. Like There have been plenty of other years where I've gone to Neil's Christmas Eve party and I've done it because I want to because I love Neil and because that's what we agreed upon. That's different. That's different than me doing something resentfully that I feel like, okay, I just I have to do this even though I don't want to. Do you see the difference? There's things that we do like I if you've ever cleaned a bathroom, you probably didn't do it because it was your first choice. But if you did it because you enjoy having a clean bathroom, you know that like you do it because you want the outcome. So you're doing it because you want to do it, even if it's not your first choice. So there might be things like that during the holidays that you're doing. And maybe it's not your first choice, but you're doing it because you love other people. And that's okay. But if you're doing something just because you feel like you have to, and it's something you absolutely don't want to do, then you might need to reconsider this. And And here's a way you can reconsider it is just to ask yourself the question, What would it look like if, fill in the blank, what would it look like if I told my family, hey, this year we're going to do Christmas in our home? What would it look like if you feel like you have to have Christmas in your parents' home 
And yet you're grown adults with your own children and you've never had Christmas in your own home. What would it look like? And my parents have never made me feel like I can't do that. But I still remember being afraid of telling my mom the first time that we weren't going to take all of our Christmas stuff and all of our kids and go do Christmas in their home. I was afraid of what she might think or feel. And I was trying to manage her emotions before it even happened. That is total crazy codependency. For me to try to take on my mom's feelings before they even happened. That's total codependent behavior where I realized at one point with, I don't know how many kids, I think at four kids, it was like, this is no longer the best thing for our family. Our kids need to have memories in their own home. And it's really hard to take them all up to Utah before Christmas and have all the Christmas stuff ready in a house that's not my own. And you know what happened when I told my mom like, hey, this year we're going to stay home? She was super supportive. So I think that a lot of times too, we build things up in our head. And that's not to say that's how all holiday things are going to go down. There's definitely going to be times where you're going to disappoint people and that's okay. But if you're trying to manage other people's emotions about things that you need to do because it's best for you or your family, you're going to make yourself miserable. And that really is what codependency is all about, is putting your happiness in someone else's hands. So that can look like I'm only happy if my addict husband is doing well in recovery. That can look like I'm only going to feel like a good person if when I tell my parents that this year we're going to break tradition and do things differently, I'm only okay if my mom is totally okay with that. If she has a different reaction, then I suddenly feel like a terrible person and I'm not okay. That's codependency. That's putting your happiness and peace and freedom in someone else's hands. So what do you do about it? I think there's so many great things that we could talk about, but what we're going to start with is just a baseline of healthy boundaries because that's something that you can put in your back pocket and you can control and you can use in order to have good, healthy relationships with people and still do things that you want to do because you want to do them, not because you feel like you have to. So I actually have a whole list for you. If you go to Instagram and you find me, Corinne Stoko, it's C-O-R-R-I-N-E-S-T-O-K-O-E, Go find me on Instagram, Corinne Stoko. And if you DM me the word holidays, then I will send you a list of CODA-free healthy holiday boundaries. Just an example list of some healthy holiday boundaries that you can use to live CODA-free instead of in codependency that are going to help you get through the holidays and not do things that you actually don't want to do, but do things that you want to do because you want to do them and then still maintain good relationships with other people and not Make yourself crazy trying to control how other people feel about you doing what's right for you. So here's one example. The last time, and I'm actually so glad that we did this because it was the last Christmas that we ever spent with Dave before your brother, before he passed away. But I remember that the year before that, we were out super late because your family's party started really late. Do you remember that? The year before the last year that we did it together, And we were out till, I don't know, like 1030 maybe. And we have, I mean, we just perpetually have little kids because we just keep having babies. But we had really little kids. Like at the time they were all about five or six and under. So little, little kids. And we were out super late. And then the next morning, they were all super grumpy because we had been out so late. So the next year I set a boundary and I just said, hey, why don't you tell your family that this is the time frame that we can be out. Like we can be out from, you know, if they want to start at five or six, I'm not going to keep my kids up though past eight o'clock because they're just going to be miserable the next day or out past eight. Because even after eight o'clock driving home, then getting them in bed, it was like, I knew that it was going to take about an hour from when we left to when they were actually in bed and asleep. So I said, you know what? You can do what you want. We can take two cars. Or you can get a ride back to my parents' house where we were sleeping. But I was like, this is the time frame that I'm willing to work with. So that's what we did. And here's the key with a boundary. It's not telling other people, hey, I'm going to make you work around me. 
I'm going to make it so that you have to agree to what I think is okay. That's not a boundary. A boundary is in this situation, this is what I'm going to do to protect my peace. So instead of feeling frustrated or resentful the next day when we have like grumpy crying kids because they were up way too late, I just said, we can go from like five to eight and then at eight o'clock, whatever's going on, I'm going to pack the kids up and head back to my parents' house and put them to bed at a reasonable time. And if you want to stay, you can totally stay. So that's what we did. And I remember that they did get started a lot later than we had originally planned, but it was still okay because we still spent time together as a family. And then you were able to stay if you wanted to. And I didn't have to feel like I did something that I felt like I had to do that wasn't right for our family. So if you think about, is there a boundary that you can put in place where you're like, hey, these are the hours that I can come do this, or this is the way that it will work for our family. You're not forcing someone else to play by your rule book, but you're just saying, this is what works for us. How do you feel like that went though, Neil, if you remember just setting up that boundary and expectation and saying like, this is the time frame that works for us since we have really little kids? Well, I think it worked pretty well. Like I, I think just going into it, just talking it out beforehand and communicating that beforehand and explaining why. And then we were able to adjust. I remember it was like, okay, well, why don't you come earlier instead of coming the later time that we were planning on? He's like, we'll come. Dave said like, we'll come an hour earlier and we can hang out or whatever. So we did came a little bit earlier. People, I think a lot of times are way more accommodating than or understanding of mm-hmm. a boundary than we think in our minds. I, I think it's, especially for a codependent, I'm codependent. So um, <laughs> I had to, I came to that realization in recovery. But I think you have this thought in your mind, like, oh my gosh, people are just going to freak out. Like the totally. world's going to end yeah. and people are going to hate me. And and maybe there is some truth to that. Maybe it is a little bit like, oh my God, your mom's kind of like, well, wait, what? You're not going to come to our special pageantry celebration this year like what you know but most of the time i think we blow it up to be way worse in our mind than it actually is and i think if you care about how it lands i think if you tell somebody and they can feel the emotion i think having these conversations with some type of a voice aspect whether that's like a phone call or a voice text or something like that where they can hear your voice inflection and they can hear that you really care where you're like hey we really are excited to come to this. We really care about it. Why are you laughing at me? I'm I'm laughing because I'm thinking of, I've been, I was listening to, or you turned me on to it, Never Split the Difference. It's a Chris Voss, the book. He talks about if there's an immovable boundary, like how to say it and use the right voice inflection. It's like slow and kind of calm, calmly stating what the boundary is. So the way he puts it is just kind of like, we're not coming to the Christmas pageant this year. That's so dramatic and and <laughs> he, overplayed. He, well, that's for in this instance you wouldn't want to use that, but he he uses the the example of like a clause in a contract like we're not moving on this part of the contract. Right, if you're buying a house, but Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe but I'm not talking so much about with your family. With families. The, that's what I'm laughing. saying is if people can feel that you really care It makes all the difference. So in that instance where we're saying maybe to your family, like, hey, we're so excited to spend Christmas Eve with you. We love that tradition. We can't wait to be with you. It's really important for us to spend time together. Last year was really rough because our kids went to bed so late and we still have really young kids. So I just want to make sure they get in bed at a reasonable hour so that we can enjoy Christmas. So if it's okay with you, we'd like to come a little bit early and then spend this amount of time. And if if they bounce back and say, no, we can't be ready an hour early, then that's fine. And you can find a middle ground. But what I'm saying is I think that when you have to talk through those things, either using a phone call or a voice, voice text can be awesome because you can leave that voice inflection where people can really hear your intent, but they can take a minute to think about it and respond. Marco Polo is that way too. I know people use Voxer. So lots of different options there, but I'm just saying that I think when you make these adjustments with family members and maybe changing tradition, I think it matters a lot 
for people to feel that you care about how it lands. I think if you care how it lands, they're going to feel that. But at the same time, to Neil's point, you can't control how other people receive it. And I think you do sometimes blow things way up in your mind to be so much bigger than they actually turn out to be. Like you can just overthink to death how something's going to go. And trying to manage how somebody else receives information is a lost cause because that's on them. If you're bringing something to the table that's reasonable, that's, you know, good for you, like that's what's best for your family and you are in charge as the parents of your family unit and you're coming to another set of families or parents or grandparents or whatever and you're saying this is what works for us this year you can't control this is this is codependency you can't control how it lands with other people you can care and be kind and thoughtful but you also can't control it if somebody else doesn't like it and that's okay but in my opinion, it's better to do things that you want to do with love than do things that you don't want to do out of resentment. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. In the book Codependent No More that I love so much, she talks about Mary and Martha in this example, it's so good how she explains this. So she says, most of us have heard the biblical parable about Mary and Martha. While Mary sat and talked with Jesus and his friends, Martha cleaned and cooked. Before long, the story goes, Martha started banging pans, accusing Mary of being lazy. Martha complained that she had to do everything while Mary relaxed and enjoyed herself. Does this sound familiar? Jesus didn't let that one go by. He told Martha to hush. Mary knows what's important. He said, Mary made the right decision. His message might be that Mary made the right choice because it's more important to enjoy people than it is to cook and clean. But I also believe there's a message here about taking responsibility for our choices, doing what we want to be doing, and realizing how we become angry when we don't. Maybe Mary's choice was right because she acted as she wanted to. Jesus helped many people, but he was honest and straightforward about it. He didn't persecute people after he helped them. And he asked them what they wanted from him. Sometimes he asked why, too. He held people responsible for their behavior. And I think that's so good because a lot of us feel like we kind of fall into this false Christian ideology of it's Christ-like to try to people-please. It's What Jesus would do is try to please everybody else instead of do what you actually truly want to do in your heart. And I don't believe that. I think that there are actually, if you read the Bible with eyes to see where Jesus is not codependent, you'll see many instances where Jesus helped people, but then he moved on. He didn't walk around and try to babysit people's choices or how they felt after he told them truth. He didn't try to accommodate everybody else's wants and needs. He did things with really healthy boundaries. He helped and he loved and served. Yes, all of those things. But he did them in ways that were intentional, clear, kind. He didn't just let people walk all over him. He didn't walk around thinking like, oh my gosh, I hope that someone isn't offended when I tell them a hard truth. He did a lot of that. He did a lot of hard truths and he let it. He let the chips fall where they may. I think with our families and doing what's best, you've got to let go of the expectations that others will always be pleased with you. It's okay if other people aren't always perfectly pleased with what you're doing because people are all human, right? So other people aren't going to react perfectly, especially if there's some change. But most of the time, eventually, they're going to not only accept it, but respect you for having boundaries. 
One more little section from Codependent No More. She says, I believe acts of kindness are not kind unless we feel good about ourselves, what we are doing, and the person we are doing it for. I think God is in each of us and speaks to each of us. If we absolutely can't feel good about something we're doing, then we shouldn't do it, no matter how charitable it seems. We also shouldn't do things for others that they ought to and are capable of doing for themselves. Other people aren't helpless, neither are we. That is a mantra I try to live by is other people can take care of themselves and their own emotions and their own expectations. And if they don't like the way that something goes down, then they can readjust. People can change. People can figure things out. And I've I've seen my family change. I've seen your family change. And that's just life. It's just family dynamics change. People have families that grow and shrink and different parents and different locations and all kinds of things. So it's okay if everybody isn't perfectly happy when you tell them, hey, this is how we're going to do things. So I asked my Instagram audience to just give me some anonymous feedback about what makes the holidays challenging for them as far as family dynamics. I'm going to go through a few of these and we can just talk about how you could look at it in the eyes of being CODA free instead of codependent. So this is a good one. Trying to balance out family and make it, quote, fair. I just want time at my own house. Instead of going so many places, why not see them either before the holiday or after? And if that's how you feel, that's what you should do. You should talk to your family, be honest with them and say, what's most important to me is to just be with my own little family in our home on whatever it is, whichever holiday it is, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Christmas Eve, and maybe suggest something else. Hey, the Sunday, bef- I don't remember what day Christmas falls on this year, but like the Sunday before or the Saturday before, can we gather and do a family party on that day and celebrate celebrate Christmas as an extended family? Let's do, let's bring in some of these traditions. Let's do some of this stuff and do it on a night other than Christmas. If that's what, and I've even heard of families getting together on like the Sunday before Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving is always a Thursday. And in fact, I have a really good friend of mine who loves to cook. So it's not about cooking, but she does her whole family's Thanksgiving dinner on a different day where they do all the cooking and the cleaning and everything. And then on Thanksgiving, she does it with only her family and they go out to eat because that's what's best for her. And I respect the heck out of that. I'm like, yeah, you should do what's right for you. And it's okay if other people aren't pleased. And also, I really want to address this where she says, trying to balance it out and make it fair is impossible. And I would agree with that. It is. It's impossible. I think if you're fixated and stuck on it being quote unquote fair, you're probably going to just end up really frustrated because there's no such thing as two Christmas days in a year. There's no such thing as two Thanksgivings. Yeah, you can set things up where maybe you rotate or you switch off or whatever, if that's what's best for you. But I would say that if you're obsessed with making it perfectly fair and even, you're missing the point. Like you're you're missing the mark as far as you and your partner sitting down and just saying, what do we want for our family? And saying like, where are your priorities? What's most important to you? And then me bringing to the table, okay, this is what's most important to me. And sorting that out as a couple. And then figuring out, okay, based on what's the most important thing to us, whether that's having memories with grandparents before they go, you never know how many years you have with somebody. And that's why I'm so happy that we did that Christmas Eve with Dave the year that, I mean, it was just actually a few weeks before he passed. So that might be your priority, or it might be, I want my kids to have memories of Christmas in their own home or Thanksgiving really stresses me out with all the families. I just want to have Thanksgiving with my own little family in my own home. Whatever that is for you, I would let go of the obsession of we got to make this quote unquote fair. Because in my opinion, it's never going to be perfectly balanced. There's just going to be different things that are prioritized differently. And speaking of Chris Voss, he talks about how there's no such thing as compromise. Do you want to speak to that? Well, in his instance, he was a hostage negotiator for the FBI. And so he's like, well, there's really no, you can't like negotiate for half of the hostage. Like it's kind of an all or nothing proposition. That's the whole point of his book, like never split the difference. But I think in some of those situations, yeah, you you can split it up or whatever, but, but a lot of times you can't. Christmas, 
day is Christmas Day, and if you have two different people and two different parties going on at the exact same time, you, there's kind of not really a way to to make it fair. You're going to kind of do one or the other. It's working out that dynamic. And I think one thing I learned from our little experiment the first time that we were married is, in my mind, I'm like, well, I, my family does this big production, and it's all of my cousins, and it's not just the immediate family. Like it's kind of this implication in my mind of like, well, mine's more important. And And what I realized is, it doesn't matter. Like whatever someone's tradition is, if it's like we sit around and we play Uno and between like me and my brother. What are you trying to you say? Know, then then the that's, foster family is just oh, playing no, Uno? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying like whatever that tradition is to that person, is that's the tradition and it's just as big a deal to them as it is whatever I have in my mind. And if that's important to him, that's important to him. Well, and I'm the reason why I was saying, oh, what are you saying? We just played Uno. But really, what you're talking about here is like there was this big production and it was this big deal. And that is Christmas to you. And you told me that where for my family, we are just kind of sitting around and talking. There wasn't a big production. But what you're saying is that's Christmas to you is that important. And Christmas to me is the other. And In my opinion, I've mostly seen friends who try to run around and run themselves crazy trying to split everything evenly and get to everyone's everything and they just stress themselves out and it's not it's not fun for anyone. That's why they've made like movies about how ridiculous it is to try to please everybody, right? That's what Four Christmases is about. That's what Christmas Vacation is about, like how hard it is to have like both sets of families in one small house. So in my opinion... I think the better way is to sit down, prioritize, figure out what's what's right for your family, and then create boundaries around protecting your peace and doing what's right for you. Obviously, like being thoughtful and considerate of other people in how you tell them that or how you plan that, but trying to just keep everybody happy, I in my opinion, I've mostly seen people become totally miserable trying to make everybody else happy on the holidays. No, I would have to agree. I think it's, and I think it's kind of, it's kind of funny that it's that way for, for everybody. It's just people handle it in different ways. But I think having those conversations beforehand and setting up. No hidden expectations. Like clearing out exactly and being super clear up front on, okay, this is how it's going to play out really sets it up for a better experience. Yeah. Somebody else said boundary stomping mother who wants time with my kids, but puts me and my husband down. So this is another really important thing where if you have family members who act out of place or there's maybe behaviors or dynamics going on there that are uncomfortable or just not easy to deal with, I think you can have limitations around either length of time or frequency, you can say like, okay, for our family, it's going to be right for us to do this amount of things, but we're only going to do it for this amount of hours. Or maybe we're going to do one long thing. Or like I said, with the, do you want to switch it to a different day? Or is it better for you to rotate? I mean, there's lots of different ways to do that. But if you're around certain people who are having behaviors that are destructive, I think Having healthy boundaries around what kind of behavior you'll tolerate is really important because when your kids are observing that unhealthy behavior, they're learning what's okay and what's not and how they should deal with it as adults too. And again, if we're looking, if you happen to be Christian and you are listening to this podcast, Jesus was not an advocate for letting one person run over another person with bad behavior. Like that, that is not Christ-like to just let people mistreat you or talk down to you or your kids or your family or your traditions or whatever. So an example of a healthy boundary would be if I'm around this family member and they start to put me or my family down, I'm going to say, hey, can we talk about something else or that really doesn't make me feel good and try to change the subject. And if it continues, then you leave. So a boundary, again, is never about forcing someone else to match the behavior that you expect out of them. It's about what you do in response to protect your peace. So 
let's say I have some crazy uncle who is just bent on talking about politics and, you know, being really aggressive and combative with people. I could say to that crazy uncle, P.S. for the record, I don't have a crazy uncle like this. So this isn't directed at anybody, but I absolutely love my uncles to death. But let's just say that I did. So I could say to that uncle, if that starts happening, hey, I really want to just have a peaceful time, enjoy family time here. Can we talk about something else? If they won't let it go, that's when I say, hey, it's been great. You pack up your family, you leave. That's your boundary. So you can set up boundaries where, you know, this might feel impossible and it's not. I'm going to tell you right now that you, I give you permission to set up boundaries that protect you, your family, your peace, your children. It will also teach them what it looks like to have self-respect and what it looks like to say, this isn't okay with me. And I'm either going to politely ask, or if that request isn't honored, then I'm just going to leave and it's okay. And you don't have to be dramatic about it. You don't have to like be angry or scowl at anybody or get into confrontation with them. You can just say, hey, it's time for us to go. There's lots of different ways that you can deal with these difficult personalities or difficult family dynamics. We'll have some of those in the boundary, the healthy holiday boundary examples. If you just go and DM me the word holidays on Instagram at Corinne Stoko. And I will send you a list of healthy boundaries that you can look through and maybe identify some that will help you in whatever situations that you're looking at in your family that maybe have been tricky in the past or you know are going to be tricky this year. Okay, here's another one that's really interesting. In-laws don't care to do anything with us around the holidays and are resistant to plans. Guess what? It's okay. You got to let go of other people's preferences and your expectations on them too. That can be a very codependent thing where you have these expectations of how you wish things were instead of accepting how they are. Being code-free or the opposite of codependency is all about accepting reality for what reality is instead of hoping for something that's just not a reality. I promise you, you'll be so much happier if you just let people be exactly who they are instead of just endlessly hoping for them to fit into a mold that you think would make you happy if they would just be XYZ. And I went through that with you for years where I was like, gosh, if Neil could just get it together, then our family could be happy. And it made me so miserable to be like, if he could only, then I would be. And my whole life changed when I said, actually, no, I'm not going to wait around on him anymore. I'm just going to be happy on my own. I'm going to figure out a way to find peace and joy and satisfaction in my own choices instead of waiting for someone else. So I would say that if you have family members that are choosing not to participate or they're choosing not to be helpful or they don't want to get involved in your traditions, great. Accept people for who they are. Let them be exactly who they are and let go of your expectations of others. No, I like that. I think a lot of what you're saying reminds me of the serenity prayer. You know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. That being oftentimes other people, like I can't control other people's agency. Not even God can intervene on people's agency. So that's something I cannot change, but help me to to have the serenity to, or the courage to change the things that I can. And oftentimes for me, it's it's spiritually like praying that I can differentiate between the two. Because I think when the the emotions are involved, it's hard to differentiate between like, well, no, I can control this or I can control this person or when it actually I can't or it's like, well, no, I can't do anything about this. And it's like, well, no, actually you can. You can change this. You can make a choice to set a boundary and leave when, when necessary or I can choose to have a better attitude about this or I can choose something. The wisdom to know the difference, that's kind of where that comes in. So if spiritually I'm tapped in, then I can differentiate between what I can and can't control. And then that helps me to to surrender the rest. So it's really cool. Here's another one. My young adult daughter refuses to be around my mom due to past emotional trauma. I'm sure that really hurts. I'm sure it's really hard for you to feel like your daughter doesn't want to be around your mother. But you have to let that go because she's actually demonstrating a healthy boundary of something that doesn't feel safe for her. In my opinion, I think you both will be happier and have a more 
a healthy and deeper and more trusting relationship if you respect that boundary that she has. And then you do what you want to do, which is spend time with your mom. And in a perfect ideal world, of course, like their relationship would mend and they'd want to be together. But you can't make people be ready before they're ready any more than you can change the weather or you can make a alcoholic ready to quit drinking. Like you can't make someone ready to square with the past or forgive people or, you know, I don't know what the dynamic is there, but the fact that someone doesn't feel safe spending time around somebody else or they just choose not to, I promise that if you let people be exactly who they are, then you can have the freedom to choose to spend your time the way you want to. You'll allow yourself the space to be happy instead of taking up that negative space, being disappointed. Someone else says the expectation and constant hustle and bustle. I want slow. Guess what? Girl, do slow. Do you? (laughs) Like say no to things. Don't fill your schedule up. Do things that are a slower pace. You really actually can do whatever you want. When people say I have to, no, you don't have to. If you feel like you have to show up to every holiday party, you have to. No, there are very, very few things in life that like the consequences are going to be just devastating if you don't do the things that you actually don't want to do. Like it's okay. Even if it said, oh, this has been tradition forever that the work Christmas party, everybody kept like if you hate the work Christmas party, then just politely bow out and don't go. It's okay. You don't have to make it to everything. You don't have to participate in all the hustle and bustle if that doesn't serve you. And again, this isn't about everyone being selfish, but I really believe that clear is kind and doing things that you mean to do because you actually genuinely in your heart want to do them is better than doing something that you secretly hate and resent. (laughs) Here's another one very similar. Mom, moms make Christmas at home, school, church, family gatherings. It's a lot for moms. I agree. And guess what? I think we can simplify so many things. If it brings you joy to just like decorate the heck out of your house and do all the cookies and do the caroling and do neighborhood gifts and homemade everything and wrap every present, like awesome. Good for you. If that makes you happy. But if it doesn't, if there's things you can eliminate, eliminate them. And if you're struggling with this in particular, I can't recommend enough the book Essentialism by Greg McEwen. It will change your life. We've interviewed him twice. You could go listen to our old podcast episodes with him. But there's no rule in life that says you have to do everything that everybody else is doing in order to be happy. You actually should just do what's essential to you and you'll feel a lot happier. Okay, here's another one. Christmas with my mother-in-law because she's a low-key word I'm not going to say. I go for my husband, but I don't love the holiday because of her. Okay, so this is how in my opinion, we deal with this. Either you change your mind frame and you say, even though this isn't my first choice, I'm going because I love my husband. So I'm going to go with that mindset and enjoy being there with him, even if the circumstances aren't perfect. Or you tell your husband, hey, I want you to go and have fun. But like this just is so hard for me that it makes me miserable. So I'd rather be a better wife and why don't you go enjoy the time with your family and I'll be here when you come home or something. But don't do something out of hate that you're just saying like, I hate everything about this. You don't have to do anything. So if you don't want to go, either go because you love the other person and, and have that be the focus or just don't do it because you don't have to. Another person says, I don't like forced gift giving and receiving forced gifts. Feels like pressure. Then don't do it. Like that's another one where maybe everybody in your family feels that way. Maybe everybody's doing it because you've just done it that way, but nobody has had the courage to speak up and say, hey, this feels excessive. Let's stop doing this. And then maybe everybody would be like, yeah, actually, that would be such a relief to not have to do this anymore. I know my mom told me once that in their neighborhood, they were doing all these crazy neighborhood gifts. And then finally one year, she was like, why are we doing this? Let's do a service project. And all of the neighbors were thrilled and relieved to not have to come up with a neighbor gift for everybody else. And instead, they got together, they did a neighborhood service project, and it alleviated that from everybody. Instead of spending the money and time they would have on gifts for each other, 
they spent that same exact amount of money and time doing service for someone else. And it like brought in the Christmas spirit. It totally unified the neighborhood even more. So maybe everybody else is feeling that way. And if not, I think it's actually totally okay to say, hey, I'm going to just, you know, simplify what I'm doing this year. So I'm doing, I've done this. Maybe you say, this year I'm just doing family gifts and you do one gift for the whole family or or you just don't or you do whatever feels right for you. But if you're feeling like something's forced or excessive, maybe just speak up because other people might be feeling the same too. We're not buying Christmas gifts for the entire family this year. Something like that, you know, just a nice Chris Voss boundary. I'm going to immovable. Are you going to do that? I'm going to watch you do that. I can't <laughs> wait to see you do that. I, the way he does it is incredible. I can't replicate it. The guy is like becoming my hero. He's amazing. Oh my gosh. I don't see you actually doing that, Neil. No, he's even in the book or in like the training he talks about, it's something that's used like very, very infrequently. Like, but if there is something that is just absolutely 100%, you cannot move on, then no, that's let's, when you pull it out. No, let's talk about that. Let's talk about maybe there's a tradition in the family of having all the kids sleep over at a grandparent's house underneath the Christmas tree. And maybe you just had kids and maybe your kids are just old enough to go to a sleepover, but you and your spouse have decided that you don't feel comfortable about sleepovers because guess what? Like a lot of kids end up, like that's where a lot of kids get molested. Like I hate to say it, but at family sleepovers or where there's an uncle or a cousin or a whatever. So I'm just, I'm just throwing this out as a hypothetical. Maybe that's one where you're just like, absolutely not. We don't feel good about this. That would be the time to bring in the Chris Voss and just say, we can't wait to spend time with you guys. We love you. As for the sleepover, we're not going to participate in the sleepover with our kids. That's yeah, just that sounds a lot better the way you do it as I can't. <laughs> but I'm just hey, saying that just, that's that is where you would want to use that where that's course. like a, this is a non-negotiable. This is what we've decided. You don't have yeah. to be rude about it, but you just say like, hey, we can't wait to do this. We can't wait to see you guys. We're going to bring the Christmas cookies. We're going to decorate. But when it's time to go home, like we're going to take our kids and sleep. They're going to sleep at our house because we're not going to participate in sleepovers because we just don't do that in our family. And I hope you can understand. You're very good at this. I like it. Try and do this. And it comes out like, I'm, well, uh, like I, it's because of this. And uh, like, it just doesn't come out very well. But you're but, really good. But let's say with the gift thing, maybe you just call a sibling and you just say, hey, like, do you think this is kind of ridiculous? Like, maybe you just are laughing about, does it feel so over the top to you that all of us are buying individual gifts for each other's kids. Like there's so many kids now in this family and maybe the other person's going to laugh and be like, yeah, it is so over the top. Stop doing it. And so, I mean, I'm just saying that there could be a situation like that where you you challenge the narrative and you say, wait, do does anybody even like doing this or are we just doing it because we've always done it? And even if everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we love buying all the individual gifts, it's also okay for you to say, well, that's awesome. I'm actually going to just like pull out of that this year. You guys go ahead and do that gift exchange with each other. And I would prefer to not because it's a lot of pressure for me. And I don't want to add that to my plate. I, I will have a better Christmas if I don't have to worry about getting gifts for everybody. But please still buy me one. No. <laughs> just kidding. That's not what I'm saying. I'm joking. But, but I, no, I you, see what you're saying. But whatever is going to protect your peace... That's what you need to do. You need to say, this is what I'm going to do this year because this is what's best for me. And, or this will allow me. And you have to remember with this too, with boundaries, boundaries are going to not only protect your peace, but allow you to be your best self. They're going to allow you to be happy, joyous, and free. If you conform to something that you don't feel good about, like all the grandkids sleeping under the Christmas tree and you feel nervous all night long because you really don't want your kids being at a sleepover, but you feel like you have to, quote unquote, have to, which really is not a thing, but it is in your mind, then you're probably going to be grumpy about it. You're probably going to be resentful. You're not going to have a great Christmas because you did something that didn't feel right to you. So, or maybe you've always been the one that hosts Thanksgiving dinner and you just kill yourself 
making all the dishes and doing all the things and you feel underappreciated and you're like Martha and you just do everything because you feel like you have to and you're resentful about it. Don't do it anymore. Tell your family, hey, I've realized that in this season of my life, it's not the right time for me to be hosting everybody every year. So this year, we're going to do this. And it's okay to, to break tradition, to do things different, and you can't manage other people's emotional responses to whatever you're doing that's best for you. So you got to let that go and let people be exactly who they are. And again, if you just DM me the word holidays on Instagram, you go to Corinne Stoko, you DM me the word holidays, I will send you my list of CODA-free healthy holiday boundaries that will hopefully just give you some good ideas for getting through the holidays, being very CODA-free and just with the space to be exactly who you are and allow other people to be who they are and it will, I promise you, set you up for way more success than you've ever had in the past. And one last thing too, we are going to be doing an Instagram live series. So the week of November 13th, which is the week before Thanksgiving. So Monday through Friday, the 13th through the 17th, every day that week at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So 10 a.m. Pacific, 11 Mountain, 12 Central and 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to be going live on Instagram and talking about codependency and the holidays. So how to get through the holidays code free. I'll be talking a lot more in detail about different situations, different things that you can use to let go of codependent tendencies and instead live code free. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm excited to teach that whole week about how you can get through the holidays code free. And again, if you want that boundary list, just DM me the word holidays on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.